Our sermon text as the basis for the, the lyrics of the song we just sang. This is John chapter 3. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know, and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So I want to share with you a time where I learned something pretty significant about what it means to be the church, in particular, how we relate with the world around us. And it was a lesson that I learned pretty unexpectedly. I, had, uh, it was, I was in my first year as a director of Christian education, it was about 10 years ago, and uh, every year our church had a big uh, fundraiser for our youth uh, that we would use our parking lot uh, to park cars uh, for a big car show that we had in town. There were about 10,000 people that came in uh, for this, and we parked as many cars as we could in as many places as we could on our lot. And so it was my first year being in charge of this, and so I wanted to make sure I had all the, all the details ready, and so I had a checklist of all the things that I needed. We need walkie-talkies, and we needed vests, and, and we needed uh, lunch, and, and, and all, all the logistics I thought I had covered. So we get to the event. We're starting parking cars. And then I realized it's uh, early May. It's 90 degrees outside, uh, and I'm missing something. Now, those of you all that are follically challenged, uh, like I am, might understand, uh, I had forgotten to bring a hat. Now, that is really bad when it's 90 degrees outside, not a cloud inside. I'm going to be standing outside parking cars for eight hours. Sunscreen's not going to cut it. I, I need to wear a hat. And so I take a couple of our youth. Say, All right, here's my keys. We have a church. We have a school. There's got to be a hat in there somewhere. So I send them inside to get a hat. And they come back a couple minutes later, and sure enough, they found something. Here's a picture of what they found. <laughs> a giant pink 
sombrero was the only hat in the entire church and school. You see, it was beginning of May. Cinco de Mayo was the following Monday, and our school was hosting a fiesta book night, and so they had this as one of their decorations. And so now I have to determine, do I end up not wearing a hat and look like the pink sombrero at the end of the day, or do I just go for it? So I sat at the base of our parking lot for eight hours on a Saturday, tens of thousands of people coming through wearing a pink sombrero. And you know what happened? That actually opens, opened some doors for me. Uh, because apparently if you're standing at the base of a parking lot of a church wearing a pink sombrero, people assume, I should talk to this guy. And I had some fascinating conversations. Is people would first ask about the hat or they'd say something about it. But more often than not, we would have a conversation like, are we allowed to park here? I, I, don't, I don't go to church, but, but can we park here? And, and the more that we kept having these conversations, I realized it wasn't because they weren't members of our church. That, you know, they thought maybe this is just members only parking. No, they weren't members of a church at all, and they didn't know if they were even allowed in the parking lot of a church. What are the chances that they think they're welcome in the doors or in the pews or as members? See, that's what I've been thinking about for the last 10 years since that incident. A, a simple uh, forgetting of a hat led to a big question about where did we go wrong as a church? Because we live in a world where there, there's so many barriers where people don't think, I'm not even sure if I'm allowed on the parking lot, much less in the doors of the church. And as I've been wrestling with this question over the years, I keep coming back to the idea that it's easy for us as God's people to take something and to make that the main idea and to make that the barrier, the selling point, the entry point for being in the church. So, for example, we can take something like how you look or how you dress. And if that becomes the main thing, then of course there's people that say, well, I don't, I don't look like the people here, so I must not belong. We take something like behavior, how you look, how you act, how you behave. And if that becomes the main thing, that becomes the barrier keeping people out of the church, well, I, I'm not good enough. I mean, the amount of times I've talked with people and they've said, I'll get my life together, then I'll come to church. Why do they say that? Because they assume they're not good enough the way they are. They're not welcome. And so they have to turn their life around and then maybe, just maybe, they'll be welcome back. When we make behavior the main thing, we end up excluding a lot of people. The reality is if behavior is the main standard, all of us should be excluded. Church should be empty. There's any number of things that we can turn into the main thing. We can take, well, well I'm here for, for peace and quiet. And if that's the main thing, then these kids are too loud. And so we're, I'm not, I might not say anything, but I'm going I'm to give a glare because that's not what we're here for. We're here to be quiet and worship 
God. Or on the other side, we can take the main thing in, in that, that kids and families and so someone that doesn't have that, seeking that they don't feel welcome. We can take finances, make that the main thing, and you think, well, it, I can't contribute, I can't give like someone else does, so maybe I'm not wanted. Or I can't serve like I used to, and so maybe I shouldn't come anymore because I can't contribute anything. What ends up happening is whenever we take whatever the, the secondary things, when they become the main thing, the church becomes divided, becomes separated, not just from those who are outside, but also within itself. The body of Christ begins to be torn apart. The LCMS, the church body that we belong to, actually made national news the last couple of weeks. You might have seen uh, the headline. Uh, our, our church body president had uh, to issue a statement uh, rebuking uh, some, some members who had been harassing others online, uh, using language and ideology that is not fitting of a follower of Christ. And at a first glance, that kind of seems like, oh, that's a black eye for the church. That's a, a source, but that's just another example of us being divided. But, but what President Harrison said is actually really helpful for us. As he refocused us in, in, in this correction, this rebuke, he says, we are bound to the Word of God alone. See, all, all the, these secondary things that when they become the primary thing, they cause all sorts of problems. The Word of God is central. It reminded me of a quote from Stephen Covey that has been used widely for a couple decades now. Here's what he says. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Now that's a lot of similar words repeated in the same order, so let's pause for a moment here. The main thing, the primary purpose, what we're focused on is keeping the most important thing at the top spot because we see what happens when that order gets reversed. That division and separation and barriers develop within the church and outside of the church. So the main thing can't be behavior. can't be finances. It can't be serving. It can't be outward appearance. So the question for us this morning is, what is the main thing in the church? And that's where our gospel reading helps us out from John chapter 3, because Jesus gives us the answer. The last words of the text we just read probably sound familiar to some of you. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. And we could stop there and, and say amen and say oh, this, this is great. God loves the world. But the issue is that many people still feel like they aren't included in that phrase the world. Like they're still separated. They're still condemned. They're still outside the church. And yet Jesus speaks to those that I met that weren't sure they were even welcome in the parking lot. Jesus speaks to them. This is verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world 
to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. That's the main thing. That God is not here to separate, to isolate, to say, well, you need to meet these qualifications before you're welcome in the body of Christ. No, the main thing is that God sent His Son not just for the world, but for you. See, the main thing, what unites us as members of the body of Christ is that we are all sinners in need of the grace of of God. What unites us is not how we look, not how we dress, not how we behave, not how we give, how we serve. What unites us is that we are in need of the God who has come to us. What unites us is taking John three sixteen and 17 and realizing that those are promises for me and for you. For God so loved you. He gave His one and only Son that you would believe in Him and have eternal life. God did not send His Son into this world to condemn you, but in order that you might be saved through Him. So you are welcome. You are welcome here in the body of Christ. Not because of how you look, not because of how you give, not because of how you serve, not because of how you behave, but because of what God has done for you in Jesus Christ. And because that is true for you, it is true for the world. Who's excluded? Who's not invited? Who's not welcome? The answer from Jesus is no one. All are welcome, all invited, all are called because we have been united in our need for God that we are sinners in need of the grace of God. All of us, church members, visitors, non-members, those who are, have been disconnected are all united. Sinners in need of the grace of God in Jesus Christ. That's the main thing. See, and when we keep the main thing, the main thing, what ends up happening is that we protect the unity that God has given to us. We're, we don't create unity. God does. By calling us, by forgiving us, by uniting us in His name. The waters of baptism. By forgiving our sins, by bringing us into the family. God creates unity, and then He calls us to protect that unity. I want to share with you, uh, this is part of our membership covenant. Uh, some of you may not know that we have this. Uh, it's something new that we started when we uh, started doing Zion Connect a couple years ago. And basically what this is, is, is this is who we want to be as God's people here at Zion. And so over the next couple of weeks, we'll be looking at, at different aspects of this. This is the first. It's, I will protect the unity of my church by acting in love for other members and guests by refusing to gossip or slander, by following the church leaders. See, God has united us as sinners in need of His grace. And so we participate in that unity. We defend, we protect, 
what God has brought together. Now, when we think about unity, oftentimes our world kind of gives a different picture of that than God does in the church. And so I want to clarify a couple things about what this unity that we're called to looks like. See, this unity in our church does not mean that we have no conflict. We have no differences. It's not how it works because we are different. We have different experiences and different gifts. And so there's going to be conflict. What unity means is not that we have no conflict, is that what it means in the midst of conflict, in the midst of differences, we have something greater that unites us than that which seeks to divide. We are sinners in need of the grace of God. And so in the midst of differences, in the midst of difficulties, we don't resort to slander, to name-calling, to looking down on others because they are someone for whom Christ died. And I'm not going to treat them the opposite. What unites us is greater than that which seeks to divide us. That is what it means to be united church. That is what we protect. See, to be united as God's people doesn't mean the absence of conflict. It means that there's something greater that holds us together in the midst of our differences, our preferences. It also means that, that as, as God's people, we are, are united. But that doesn't mean we're all going to look the same. It doesn't mean we're all going to have the same gifts. What it means is not that our outward appearance is the same, but that when God looks at us, he sees Jesus. He sees the robe of Christ's righteousness. That's what unites us. Scripture talks regularly about the diversity of the body of Christ, the diversity in appearance, in gifts, and skills. And that's to be celebrated. What unites us is not outward appearance. What unites us is how God looks at us through His Son, Jesus Christ. Being united in the, in the world tends to be, well, you can just do whatever you want. For the sake of unity, we will tolerate everything. Do whatever you want. And yet that doesn't work because sin is what divides us. So we can't ignore sin and, and say, go for it. And what unites us is not a toleration of sin, but rather following Jesus, which calls us to repentance. It calls us to forgiveness. calls us not to walk in the ways of the world, but in the ways of the cross of Jesus Christ. See, we don't tolerate sin. We don't ignore sin. But neither do we run away from it. Jesus, in his earthly ministry, I mean, think about who he spent time with tax collectors, and sinners. And yet, as he spent time with them, they were the ones that walked away changed, not him. And so as his church, we reach out to all who are in need, not, not changing our message, not changing God's standards, but allowing God's word to change our hearts and minds forgive our sins. We don't run away from sin, neither do we ignore it, because we are the body of Christ, united in his forgiveness. 
And finally, unity as the body of Christ does not mean that we're perfect. Zion is not a perfect church. Never has been. Never will be. Until the day that Jesus comes back. No, we are not perfect. That's not what unites us. What unites us is that we are forgiven. The forgiveness of God and Jesus Christ is greater than our sin. It's greater than whatever would seek to pull us apart. God seeks to reconcile, to restore, to bring wholeness. That's the main thing. And when we keep the main thing, the main thing, those in the world who don't think they're welcome in the parking lot, much less than the doors, begin to see as the main thing is the forgiveness of God in Jesus Christ, that we are united as sinners in need of God's grace, that we need Jesus just as much as, much as anyone else. They begin to experience the welcome of God. That they do belong. They are invited. They are welcomed. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. And the main thing is Jesus. In his name, amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus until he calls you home.